So Deuteronomy 24, verse 6, let's get to it. If you're able, would you stand as I read our uh, passage this morning, our text? The word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 24, verse 6. No one shall take a hand mill or an upper millstone in pledge, for he would be taking a life in pledge. If a man is caught kidnapping any of his countrymen of the sons of Israel, and he deals with him violently or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Be careful against an infection of leprosy that you diligently observe and do according to all that the Levitical priests teach you. As I have commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. You shall remain outside, and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. If he is a poor man, you shall not sleep with his pledge. When the sun goes down, you shall surely return the pledge to him that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you, and it will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of your aliens who is in your land and your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it so that he will not cry against you to the Lord and it becomes sin in you. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. You shall not pervert the justice due an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment in pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the bows again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do this thing. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for uh, its clarity, its truth, its sufficiency. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to obey and do according to your word. We thank you, God, that because of Jesus, we are redeemed people Lord, help us, not like Israel, not to forget where we have been saved from. And we pray that we would um, glorify you and how we live for you, Lord, and that our light would shine brightly in the midst of a dark, dark world, Lord, for your glory, for the advance of this wonderful gospel to the ends of the earth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Responsibilities of Yahweh's people is countercultural. The responsibilities are to live countercultural. I don't know who said it first, but I grew up, grew up in 
um, Baptist church is hearing, and you probably have heard the, you know, sort of the world's counsel, that old adage. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, and poison the rest. So that's the way the world would have us, right? To look out for number one, like look out for number one. And you read these, um, the law of Moses here, and uh, we're going to think about the law of Christ and what he said. And let me just go ahead and tell you what we're going to say about the law of Christ. Christ took the law of Moses and elevated it here. He didn't lower it. Lest we think, whew, I'm glad I'm not in Moses today. Stay tuned. Christ said, well, let's just go ahead and go there, right? Trying to trip up Jesus, what are the, what's the great commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's exactly what we're talking about here in Deuteronomy 24. And reminder, our obedience, and we'll keep reminding us of this because in our sinful tendency, our sinful bend, we want to think that the world, God's world, works that the more we're obedient to his law, his word, the more God likes us, accepts us. Listen, that is not gospel thinking. And go do an excursus, do a deep dive on how Jesus talked to the Pharisees. They wanted their doing to bring them to God. But our obedience to the law is to flow from hearts of gratitude to flow from grateful hearts you see this in this passage before and by the way a, a little bit I would say as, a, in my, as I'm studying passages like this let me tell you what it feels like it feels like a naughty passage K-N-O-T-T-Y naughty in that it's not clear at first, second, third, fourth or fifth reading so we need God to help make it clear and as we dig into it it becomes clear but our obedience to the, flow, uh, to the law is to flow from grateful hearts. We're to remember our great salvation. And that's the truth of this passage we have this morning. Look back at verse 18. Let me call your attention. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. So that's to color. We're going to talk about their responsibility to others in just a moment. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Why would you want to be kind to slaves and aliens and orphans and widows let me tell you something because you remember where you were you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and look the Lord your God redeemed you salvation by grace the Lord your God redeemed you from there drop down to verse 22 you shall remember it's repeated you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt Therefore, I'm commanding you to do these things. So since we're redeemed, since we're saved, since we've been united, when we've been brought to God by Christ, here's how we are to live. Same gospel from Genesis to Revelation. So responsibilities of Yahweh's people. The chapter falls heavily in under point number one. We'll look at that first, responsibility to others. Responsibility to others. So we've got a series of laws related to how Israel was to, to relate to each other. Human relations. Human relationships are, are so very important. We oftentimes, you, you heard, uh, here's another old adage, you know, the day was going good until you had to be around people, right? And when you're around people, it's where, hey, I, I didn't get any trouble until I was around some people. And how many of you would say, at home, we have some conflict? When we extend, it's like, well, I can't get along with these people at home. And then we go to work, and you say, those people at work are difficult. And then we go to play, and we bump into them. You say, people are just difficult, and I'm glad I'm so easy to get along with. Right? So, if listen, their love, Israel, God's chosen people, 
their identity belonging to Yahweh, their love having been loved by Yahweh, and, uh, and the, how that was transforming their lives was to overflow in how they related to others. One of the ways we can measure how our walk with God is how we're relating to others. So their responsibility to others in general and especially to the poor and disadvantaged in particular. So look there at verse 6. No one shall take a hand mill or an upper millstone in pledge. Now that's not language we use every day. A hand mill, upper millstone. So what, what the principle going on here is neighbor love or brother love and it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes and so the the hand mill and the upper millstone this is these were the um, implements so that hand mill and upper millstone that you would a family an individual for them to eat they had to have a hand mill and upper millstone they would take the grain and they would use that mill to grind the grain to make bread and look no one here's the law shall take a hand mill or an upper millstone in pledge so someone is falling on hard times and by the way this is not just questioning how big the quarterly dividend is going to be for their corporation we're talking about their jeopardized going without food so you sort of, they, they owe that to you, and you're like, hey, how far are we going to go to call in this debt? And you're not to take a hand mill or an upper millstone in pledge. Look what you'd be doing. You'd be taking a life in pledge. So this idea, we are responsible for others. I love what Paul says over in Philippians 2, verse 4. Do not merely look out for your personal interest. We don't have to be commanded, you know, look out for your personal interest, right? We, we got that base covered, don't we? We're looking out for our personal interest. So do not merely look out for your personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And so that would, to, that would mark how... So verse 6, this debt's owed to you. And you're thinking, hey, you owe me that. And, and give me your hand mill and upper... No, 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 you don't do that. You don't do that because what's underneath that, you'd be taking a life in pledge. So the principle is ensuring one is able to provide for their family, their, their basic needs for, for food. Verse, look at verse 7. This is a sanctity of life verse. If a man is caught kidnapping any of his countrymen of the sons of Israel and he deals with him violently or sells him. So what we're talking about there, this prohibition against human trafficking. So an Israelite is caught kidnapping any of his countrymen of the sons of Israel. He deals with him violently or sells him. Look, capital punishment. Then that thief shall die. And by the way, that principle that we've gotten over and over and over in Deuteronomy, sin among the people of God permeates and spreads and, listen, has a corporate effect. So you shall purge the evil from among you. So this, we got this principle ensuring one's able to provide for their family, verse 6, the principle, you know, it, it, it would be bad. Wouldn't this just be the, the, like the upper limits of bad to go kidnap one of your neighbors and sell him? And you execute someone. That, that would be, I don't, know what, I don't know what all neighbor love is, but kidnapping and selling your neighbor is not neighbor love, is it? Like that's the extreme of not loving your neighbor. Look at verse 8. And verse 8 seems to be this, living under authority with the perspective of fear of God and concern about the welfare of others. Be careful, he says, verse 8, be careful against an infection of leprosy. So this is our responsibility to others, right? Be careful against an infection of leprosy, of leprosy that you 
diligently observe and do according to all that the Levitical priests teach you. As I've commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. And by the way, then, I love this. We get an illustration in Scripture. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. Remember Aaron and Miriam grumbling against Moses? God takes great offense to that, strikes her with leprosy. Right, so it's, it's fear of God and look, uh, under the authority of the priest that they were the, to live under. And, and you, it's not like, hey, I think I'll just, I'll just wear a jacket and, and stay covered up. No, 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 be careful against an infection of leprosy. So it's, same, it's, it's really neighbor love that we're talking about. Look at verse 10, lawns and interest. And really it's human dignity is what's going on there. Look at verse 10. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. You shall remain outside, and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. If he's a poor man, you shall not sleep with his pledge. So this verse 10 and 11 you've made a loan to your neighbor, the loan is due or past due, and look. You're ready to go collect, and you don't, don't go barging up in his house. This idea of guarding, uh, preserving human dignity. I've thought all week about this. One of the low points in my corporate work, um, we would frequently have to um, terminate employees' employment with the company. And as a leader, you got to, I got to do a lot of those. And I remember, I thought on verse 10 and 11, we, had, we were... We were doing a termination visit down in Tallahassee. And um, so we had the lady we were um, firing meet us at a hotel meeting room. And so we told her we were firing her and single mom. And so you have, in our industry, you have our car and you have our computer and our samples all back at your house. So we um, proceed to her house and we are getting her car, our car, and our computer and our samples. And look, the school bus pulls up. And her little son and her little daughter get off the bus. And we're standing there in the garage. And they say, hey, Mama, who are these guys? You know, what are they doing? I would have liked to have been anywhere else other than that place. Because let me tell you, we were, she, it was appropriate that we terminate her employment I'm good with that, but there's a better way. And I express that to the company than us going up in her house and getting her stuff right. Her dignity. And do you see, do you see God's concern? Look at his concern for the dignity. When you make your neighbor a lot of any sort, don't go, hey, you know, you owe us some. Let's talk about those lamp stands over there. Let's do what you got here in the fridge. What's back there in the no, no, no. You stay outside. What now what's that got to do with loving Yahweh? Well, it's it's loving people. And if we love Yahweh, it's gonna permeate how we love people so loans and interest treating one another with dignity drop down to verse 12 if he's a poor man you shall not sleep with his pledge so he's poor and and the picture is his cloak or his coat or his garment that that's what he had to pledge and look it gets on toward the end of the day verse 13 when the sun goes down you shall surely return the pledge to him that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you look at this and God sees everything God knows everything He's going to then sleep warm in his cloak, and he blesses you. And look, what, what you do towards your neighbor, that it will be righteousness, be, it will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. 
God is looking down and saying, you know what, that, that, poor, that poor neighbor of mine, I've got his cloak and he still hadn't paid me. You know what, it gets on toward evening time of day. You take his cloak back and, 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 and that's one of the ways we think, well, you know, I think I'll, I, I need to do some great platform work. That's how I'll honor God. No, let me tell you, God's people honor him in how they treat others. It will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. Verse 14, let's keep going. Wages to day workers. Wages to day workers. So the way you either, the, the timeliness in paying wages is one of the ways you either love and honor Yahweh or dishonor him. Verse 14, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy. Look at God. Look at God's love for mankind, whether he's one of your countrymen or one of your aliens who is in your land and your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets. So he, he's a, it's a day worker. He did his work. I, I, uh, growing up, I would, um, it's probably where I got such a great love for Slocum tomatoes. They're, they should be ready in a couple of weeks, but I used to pick Slocum tomatoes in the summer. And those were good old days, 50 cent a bucket. I could pick 40 buckets in a day. I was a day worker. I think of how parents are now, but they would come by our house over there. I lived on Brandon Stand at about 6 in the morning, and they'd pick up me and Bryant and Buster and some other guys. We would jump in the back of the truck, and this guy that was about 16 would drive real crazy all the way to Malvern. We are riding in the back. How many of you moms are like, that ain't happening? We're like 13, 14, 15 years old. And they take us out there, and we work with, along with a bunch of um, people who were not from the United States picking tomatoes all day. And um, we had a grand time. And so we were day workers, but you, guess what happened at the end of the day? So I'd bring my card. Every time I brought a bucket, they would inspect the buckets full. They would punch my card. You know, it had one, two, three, four, five. And, and I'd work really hard, and I would 50 cent a bucket, 40 buckets. And at the end of the day, guess what the last thing they would do to us? We would line up there, and a guy with the bank bag, I'm like, I always thought he was the bomb. You know, he's got all this cash. He's like, David, pick 40 buckets. Man, he would, he would hand me a $20 bill. And I'd get back in the back of the truck. We'd race home, and we'd come back and pick tomorrow. I was a day worker. Well, you know what? To, to bring this principle over, and by the way, I wasn't taking care of my family. I was saving for a shotgun. But... Um, the principle comes out, a Remington 1100, I'll show it to you later, guys. Really cool, still great shape, killed a lot of quail with it. But I was saving for a shotgun, went to Southern Outdoor, bought that thing downtown at the end, after picking tomatoes, how I loved and still thankful for that gun. But these day workers, look, you shall, verse 15, give him his wages on his day before the sun sets. Why is that? You know, so I, I picture the, the farm owner, he's got plenty of money. Well, that day worker, he is poor. He set his heart on it so that he will not cry against you to the Lord and become sin in you. So look at, back at verse, end of verse 13, you treat your neighbor right, it will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. You treat him wrong, end of verse 15, he's going to cry against you to the Lord and it becomes sin in you. Our relationship with God is so affected and determined by how we relate to each other. There's no way around it. In fact, it is the measuring stick. Look at verse 17. We're going to come back to verse 16. Look at verse 17, this principle, don't be greedy and justice and fairness for all permeates 17 to the end of the chapter. Verse 17, you shall not pervert the justice. Remember, we got started on this journey. Justice, back to Deuteronomy 16, 20, justice and only justice you shall pursue. 
And then here's one of the ways you live out pursuing justice. You shall not pervert the justice due an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment and pledge. So here, here's the most disadvantaged, the, the most likely to be stepped over and stepped on in society. And you know what? You guard against them getting done wrong. You shall not pervert the justice due an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment and pledge. You see that? Justice is due them. It's due them. They got that coming. That God is just but you, why in the world should we care about the alien, the orphan, or the widow? Well, you just remember, you're not too far removed from that. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do this thing. Look across the, you ought to always be looking across the room and say, where are those downtrodden? Because we know who we were before we experienced God's grace. Let's find those people that, that, that are the outcast. The disadvantage, because that's who we were. Now, this one more principle under our responsibility to others. Look at verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field. So look at this. It's your harvest and it's your field, at least for the time being. When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field. So you're out there and you got all your crop gathered up. You know, we left one behind. Now, I'm going to tell you. All week I've thought about this. You know what? I'm thinking if I've got one left back there, I'm thinking, go what? Get it and let's take it to the market. No, 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 no. That's not what we're to do. We're, look, I guarantee you the world says, remember, we said that principle of get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, poison the rest, you'd go back and get that sheaf. But look, we belong to Yahweh. And because of that, verse 19, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and, and for the widow. Look at what God's wrapped up in this. What's the purpose of that? Why am I worried about the alien, the orphan, the widow? In order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand. So God's looking in. He knows exactly where our harvest is. He knows where our field is. He knows what our gross is. He knows what our net is. He knows what He knows everything. And he's watching us, watching them in this context. And you shall not go back to get it. Or are we going to trust God? Or are we going to go, let's don't leave anything on the table. No, no, no. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow. And when we do our part, it's God's fuzzy math. In order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And, and this idea of generosity toward the needy, put off greed, leave some behind, take less. We know about this. We get a beautiful illustration of this over in Ruth. Listen to this from Ruth 2, verse 1. Now, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. 
And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I've commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Well, we know God was preparing the way for the Messiah to come is what he was up to. And Boaz was living out the law of Moses and how he did that. Look at verse 20. He brings it over from the harvest in the field. Verse 20, when you beat your olive tree. So you go out there harvest time, you get the olives off the trees. You shall not go over the bows again. Why? Same principle. You know what? Leave some behind. Don't be greedy. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow. Right? So we, we're not existing to say, hey, our goal is to amass as much as we can amass. That is not godly thinking look at verse 21 he keeps by the way we get three pictures we sort of get the principle one time and the principle of uh, the illustration of it three times when you gather the grapes of your vineyard you shall not go over it again it shall be for the alien for the orphan for the widow what does that have to do with anything god well you shall remember your redemption your great salvation you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of egypt therefore i'm commanding you to do this thing so we've got God's people, responsibilities of Yahweh's people, responsibility to others, we would say. And second, we also got individual responsibility. Number two, individual responsibility. Let's go to verse 16, home stretch, just one verse, but a lot that could be said about this verse. Look at verse 16 about our individual responsibility. He's talking about this neighbor love, love for others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and then we get to verse 16 fathers shall not be put to death for their sons nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers so listen to this good news first part of that fathers shall not be put to death for their sons so we are not responsible for the sins of others isn't that great isn't that great so you you don't need to there's some bad ideas traveling around out there. I promise you, you don't need to have a time of Bible study and um, prayer where you repent of your parents' and grandparents' sins. Okay? And there's a lot of really uh, prominent Christian leaders and pastors that are talking, you know, they're going to put this burden on us. We're not responsible for the sins of others. So look at the text. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers so the good news is we're not responsible for the sins of others but here's the bad news this morning listen to this we are responsible for our sins look back at verse 16 end of that verse everyone shall be put to death for his own sin so you're not responsible and I'm not responsible for the sins of others but guess what? I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of how serious that is I'm responsible to God for my own sin and, and listen to this you are responsible to God for your own sin that I, I've got a heap of sin 
that I'm responsible for. That, that falls heavy. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for the fathers. Praise the Lord for that. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. I like what one commentator, Peter, Peter Craigie, said about this. This short piece of legislation makes clear a principle underlying all the law in Deuteronomy. Namely, that the presence of law and the requirement that it be obeyed placed upon every man a responsibility for his actions both within the covenant community and before God. So listen, in the body of Christ, I'd make application. I've got responsibility, this requirement that I live for Christ. And I've got that within the covenant community. We'll bring it over and say we're the covenant community in our day, the church, and before God. And to press that a little bit more, I think of, I love how Alistair Begg says that in the Old Testament, what Jesus is predicted is pointing everyone shall be put to death for his own sin so listen to this here would be a here would be a bedrock principle to christianity that we need to take to heart sin brings death sin brings death and because of our sin Against the holy God, we deserve to die. Spiritual and eternal. Uh, or, or physical and eternal, right? Short-term and long-term, we deserve because of our sin. Listen to what the prophet Ezekiel. The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself so this idea that sin brings death and the person who sins will die back to Deuteronomy verse 16 everyone shall be put to death for his own sin if we press that out and we say okay what is that what did that mean back in law of Moses well that's clear that like they wouldn't come if if the father committed some, it, it, okay, if the father, go back to verse 7, if he kidnapped one of his countrymen and sold him, you wouldn't come and kill the son, would you? You'd execute the father. But if the son kidnapped one of his countrymen, sold him, the son would be executed. So we get that, but then we say that, end of that verse, everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. If we bring that over and say, okay, if we keep reading in Scripture, we get over there, we're going next, after probably sometime in early August, we're going to Romans. We finish Deuteronomy. Bible is really, really clear. That one comes to mind. We learned that one in Awan and other places, and it's all over Scripture. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. The, Isaiah, the prophet. All of us like sheep, we've done what? Gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And then we keep reading in that great gospel of Romans, the wages of sin is death. And you say, well, that's, that's the law of Moses and that's the law of Christ. And it becomes clear. And here's, here's what I want us to close with today. As we think about individual responsibility, sin brings death. And fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. Here, let me tell you something. God made a way. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. God made a way for one to be put to death 
for your sins. Jesus Christ, here's the gospel. And by the way, who's been offended? I'm going to you go, you say the same things over and over because gospel is so important. Who's been offended? God. Who have we sinned against? God. Who's got to be appeased, satisfied? God. Okay, who in the room is divine? God. Or none. We are all humans in our sinful condition. Oh, we will, we will love Jesus more. So the Son of God came down to earth, took on flesh, dwelt among us. Listen, he came and he was born a man like we are. He tempted like we're tempted, but he lived a perfect, tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin, lived a perfect life. And his perfect obedience, God is pleased to credit that as perfect obedience to those who trust in Christ. He puts that perfect obedience in their account. And then listen to this. Since we had a debt, everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. We had a debt we couldn't pay. Listen to this. He went to the cross. And the cross is not, well, God just decided to do that. No, the cross is the means. He went to the cross and the sinless Savior poured out his blood, was crucified, and died on the cross. They buried him. He was crucified according to the scriptures. They buried him. God raised him from the dead three days later, according to the scriptures. And look, God, Romans, we're going to be prepared for Romans. Just, just, just. God is just justice and only justice you shall pursue. God is just. Listen to this. And here's how God does business. He said he will justify. He's just and the justifier of the one who will place their faith in Jesus. So listen, if you will place your faith in Jesus, you, by the just God, will be justified. You'll be brought into a relationship of life and salvation and favor and peace with God. And so we're, we're reading along our responsibility to others. And by the way, the responsibility to others really has sense in two ways. It leads us to Jesus because none of us have been good neighbors, have we? I've been greedy. You ever been greedy? I've looked out for my right. So it leads us to God. That's one of the purposes of the law of Moses. But then it also shows us now that we've been redeemed, we remember we haven't always been redeemed. I, 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 don't, I started to say, I love it. I probably dislike it. You ever hear people say, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. At most, you're speaking foolishly, if not ignorantly. You have not. I have not been a Christian our whole life. We were slaves back in Egypt. And let me tell you, God at some point moved in and saved us. And we need to remember where we've been saved. And so then here's our response. But what are we to do with this text? So I've got some application points, but couple ways we say now that I belong to Christ I've got a view different how I treat other people totally different not all about me I need to be uh, uh, like John over there Lord help me to just keep on decreasing and help Jesus keep on increasing and then by the way my responsibility my individual responsibility I read verse 16 I want to tell you where my mind went on Monday and it's been digging more and more all week I am grateful that God made a way everyone shall be put to death for his sin you can see mine if you hang around me for long and I can see yours when I hang around you and praise the Lord Jesus has dealt with our sin Man, that's why we gather that that's look this is a declaration to the world this morning what we're doing I've thought about this all week. we're saying world you're wrong our hope is in Jesus I hope they come look in the window what are y'all doing in there I'll tell you this is where it's at 
This is life the way life was intended to be. So the gospel in Deuteronomy 24, let's summarize this quitting time. We're not under the law of Moses. We are under the law of Christ. We're new covenant Christians, followers of Jesus. By the way, I'm assuming that you have placed your faith in Christ. So how do, what do we do with this passage this morning, these sundry laws? First, we demonstrate our love for Christ by how we love and minister to others, especially the brethren. Like We demonstrate our love. Why, why would you not be greedy? Why would you leave some extra? Why would you go to such pains to say, yeah, I know the debt's owed, but I'm going to do that, and I'm going to go and even collect on that in an honoring way. I'm going I'm to guard their dignity. I'm going to preserve, verse 7, their lives. I'm not going to go and, hey, I, I know you owe me that, but you all need to eat, right? We're going we're gonna to live that out. So demonstrate our love for Christ by how we love and minister to others, especially the brethren. Second, make sure we're doing this. Rely on Christ alone. Rely on Christ alone. Feel the weight of verse 16, Christ's substitutionary atonement. But here's the gospel. Jesus bore our sins in his body. It is finished. Third, live distinct from the world in our day. You know what? I love what Moses doesn't do in Deuteronomy. He doesn't give us verse after verse and chapter after chapter. So let me just tell you about those pagans. Let me tell you about those Canaanites. Boy, here, they do this, and they do this, and they do this. It's not our job to be experts in worldliness. There ought to be some jokes. There ought to be some inferences and some illustrations and some phrases that go way over our head. And people say, well, you just don't get it, do you? No, God, help us. Let me tell you what he was telling them. The better it would go for Israel was directly linked with the more holy and godly and pure they live for him in the midst of the world. We, we read it from Matthew. The brighter our light's going to be, I promise you, we're not going to win the world saying, well, you know what? Our light's just one degree. You're really dark and we're just a tad less dark. No, no, no. That, that, that last point, we honor God by living distinct from the world in our day. With our hope, the things that we do, the things that we don't do. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I, Jesus, I, I'm telling you, you get in chapter, I'll just tell you, part of my experience with Deuteronomy, you get over in Deuteronomy 24, early in the week, you start there in verse 6, you're like, man, what in the world is going on here? And I want to tell you, we have, we have neglected sections of God's word to our detriment here would be a good place to start if you're going where do I need to study the Bible next here's where I say what have you studied the least right go there and you know what you'll find Jesus there let's pray Heavenly Father Lord we thank you God for your word God we thank you for um, so great a salvation Lord we read scripture oftentimes through the lens forgetting um, that we were formerly slaves so God we thank you that you are a God of mercy and you are a God of grace you are just we thank you God that you have a heart for the disadvantaged for the downtrodden for the alien and the orphan and the widow Lord, we 
pray you will give us power to live out the truths we've studied today that we will take seriously the responsibility that we have to others oh God that we would that we would forget about ourselves Lord that will only happen if you do a deep transformational work in us God day by day we pray you will help us to forget about ourselves and to honor you by how we love others thank you for how you're cultivating that in this body we pray you would grow us in that Lord we are also mindful Lord we have an individual responsibility Lord there'll be no mama or daddy or grandparent on the last day that will be able to come and stand beside us to make a plea for us Lord I we are responsible to you for our sin and how glorious and beautiful Christ is God that scripture declares and proclaimed that proclaims that he bore our sins in his body on the tree Lord, that news we have many of us have heard for years and years and years and Lord it grows familiar help us wring our hearts this morning with fresh realization of our former slavery God we were we were dead apart from Christ Lord we were hopeless but God you have intervened you have saved us so Lord we thank you for Jesus we thank you for so great a salvation Lord we pray now as redeemed people that we will live for him for you God in gospel worthy manner Lord that we would not be trying to see how close we can get to the world Lord, we will be distinct. We will be marked out. And God, we pray that you would help us to be zealous witnesses to share this good news far and wide that Jesus saves sinners. Lord, we, um, we glory in our great Redeemer and we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that you have not left us as orphans. We thank you that God the Holy Spirit is in us God we thank you that you've put us in the body of Christ and so God we pray that in the darkest day that I recall Lord in my life in our culture Lord that we have hope God that you are working your plan that your church is being built and nothing will prevail against her God we pray that you would find us faithful and we pray that we would glorify Jesus in our words and our walk Lord until he comes in his name Amen I invite you to stand and sing and respond all glory be to Christ <laughs>